When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our shiny new podcast with great graphics and, and subliminal messages behind Ben's head. Thanks, Thomas Frank. <laughs> so, first thing, listen to CoffeeZilla. This is a story that he did last week about the casino betting that a number of influencers were doing. We talked about the ethics, which he then brought up in his own video. It's really good on its own. Interesting piece for you. The ethics, the the story for those of you who haven't heard it, is that there's all of these influencers who are promoting unregulated crypto gambling that is offshore. And there's a number of issues with it, which he lays out very well. Uh, One that's the biggest for me is that they are accepting money to promote it and receiving money to gamble. Like, so they're actually not risking anything. So the ups and the downs are a joke because they're actually just making money Mm -hmm. the whole time. The second one is that little kids can do it because it's totally unregulated. And the third, which I didn't know, is that casinos have a process by which you can self-exclude. So you can say, hey, I am a gambling addict. I have a problem. Uh, Please do not let me gamble at your casino. And they will actually like take your information and not let you. These casinos do not have that option. The the thing that I didn't uh, consider, and I mentioned this and I think I was right, is that he talks to the guy who he kind of exposed as doing it. And he seems to feel bad about getting caught. And he says, you know, what do I have to do to make this right with you? Which is, there's just the moral understanding. And he says, I've never actually thought about this before. Like, no one in my circle ever said that this wasn't a good thing to do. Mm. And I it genuinely believe that. It didn't occur to him that he was doing something wrong yeah, correct. until the CoffeeZilla video. Yes, and even his sense of wrong is like, it was, what do I have to do to make this right with you, CoffeeZilla? And not, what do I have to do to undo the harm that I've caused my, my fans and my audience? It, which is like, send them the money that you made. You know what I mean? Like, which I, nobody suggested, but it's... Uh, I Take was, all the money you made from this thing and distribute it to the people who lost money because of they were following your recommendation. Yeah, yeah, because you... Uh, and that still won't make them whole, by the way, because no, they no, probably they lost, lost way, way more. more money than yeah. you got paid. But at least you were not profiting off their losses and they're a little bit mitigated from the harm that... Mm-hmm following you cause them there's a lot of things and what i found most interesting typical and not exceptional was that there's people's understanding and sometimes my own of morality is just like what'll get me accepted by the group mm-hmm. like what'll make what'll make the punishment go away for this and i and i genuinely believe people want to make the punishment go away and can be made to feel bad and guilty about things but there is such a almost non-existent instinct of like, have I caused harm? How do I undo that harm? Which sure. is not, you can you can solicit other people's advice on it, but it's not about clearing you in the mind of some third-party judge arbiter who's going to uncancel you. It's about just trying to rectify what sure. you've done. It, I, and I just found it fascinating because I totally believed him, A, that nobody said anything, B, that he'd never thought about it before, and C, that he wasn't being guided by some sort of internal moral compass that was anything larger than what is happening around me, what is acceptable. It wasn't an epiphany of like, oh, I should try to undo this harm. Yes. Yeah, man. There's just, it's, this is actually something that I want to talk about. If if nothing comes up for you here, you did the sociopath video Mm -hmm. lately, which I, I'm sure there's some links between that. I actually didn't watch your video. So you could tell me what, what makes a sociopath, but I, I'm sure one of the things is like disregard for harming others. You know, like well, this is the thing. I actually believe this. Logan Paul said this when they were doing the video about Jake. And if Jake is a sociopath, I think it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. I think that the actual diagnosable sociopaths and psychopaths are very far down the spectrum. It's I don't think it's close, if that makes sense, between a normal person who has some tendencies like this versus a diagnosed uh, antisocial personality disorder person. I think they're, they're leagues ahead in a way that is meaningful. But I think everybody has areas where they lack empathy. And that's the defining symptom of being a sociopath is that you don't you can't empathize with other people's pain and sadness. And we all have some degree of that. We buy iPhones that children in minds get or we buy clothes from Nike. If you live in a city, you walk past homeless people. Yeah. You know, like- and so I think in... 
if you can feel empathy, strong empathy for anybody, basically that eliminates you from being diagnosably ASPD. But we all have that lack of empathy for somebody. And it just depends who you are in terms of how, how that shakes out. But I think society tells you which people you can ignore. You know, I think it was, it's very common if you're raised in a place that says you don't need to have empathy for this certain class of people. Very few people extend that group empathy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it, and it seems that one of that biggest groups is like people that you have a difficult time seeing or imagining. You know, oh, yeah, being <laughs> far away from you. Yeah, it's, but I'll tell. I mean, people can walk past Skid Row every day and not mind, and those people are mm-hmm. ten yards away. Yeah. So, I, as I, I didn't watch the video, and I think the spectrum thing is definitely true. I just also I'm sure that you could take the. I, and people have done this. They like apply the ASPD traits to the American society at large well, and are like, you know, disregard feelings of other people. <laughs> like, well, sorry, here's what I'm saying. He, this person, you're saying in this instance had a sociopathic moment with their audience where they didn't have empathy for the pain they were causing. But I'm saying if they then find out that a friend's dad died and get teared up at the thought of the pain that that person's going through, they're automatically not actually a sociopath. I think people are very quick to be like, oh, how could you possibly do that to this one person? You must be a sociopath. But if you can have strong empathy for anyone, then you're not technically. Well, I guess what I'm saying is even like, we're starting from the presupposition that there are sociopaths and that that, 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 that is a useful definition. And I think in some contexts it is when you're trying to uh, convince someone of the severity of of their inability to fit in with society. I guess what I come back to is like all of these diagnoses and all of morality is just totally relative mm-hmm. to your surrounding such that in 200 years, we're all going to be diagnosable sociopaths <laughs> or whatever they call it. ASPDs, you know, it'll, it'll have evolved by then. And uh, yeah, I, I, I guess when watching this, I was just very struck. Well, sorry, I actually don't know that I believe that. Do you want you to dive into that? That we will all be diagnosed as sociopaths? Yeah, yeah. I'll bet against that. Okay, so that, w- take the things that the, uh, a lack of empathy. What are, what are some of the other traits? So you did the, the video. Well, so the, sorry, the, the, there's symptoms and signs. So like the biggest symptom is that you can't empathize with other people. And the signs are that you don't feel bad about uh, manipulating them. You're more likely to look at people and weigh what you can get from them mm-hmm. instead of having a, a relationship that's more based on, uh, I don't know, that, that's based on anything besides basically what they can get you in the moment. And you... You don't really have a like an internal guilt. You don't have an internal sense of th- hurting this person has made me feel bad. So everything that you do, you do on a logical basis. Because not every sociopath is a bad person, but they they have a logical front brain understanding of right and wrong that guides them without any feeling of like, ooh, mm-hmm. I I'm hurting that you're hurting. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess. I, so you're saying, and then if you are diagnosable, there's no one on the planet for whom you would be able to conceivably feel those empathetic feelings? For your closest people, you can get a shallow version of what most okay. people get. And so this is what I'm saying. It's, is it's, if it is all a spectrum, there's no actual off switch and there's no fully on. Like fully on would be like uh, all of capitalism puts first and foremost the transactional nature of relationships, right? Yeah, but I'm sorry, I'm just saying it's we don't consider slave owners sociopaths. So whatever mm-hmm. your thing today is that you think is sociopathic, oh, it, like ignoring it. the homeless, Sorry. in tw- in twenty in two hundred and thirty twenty three hundred the year twenty three hundred, they're not going to look back at us and say the way they treated the homeless, they were all sociopaths Got who it. lacked empathy. Got it. And so I believe that because we don't we look don't back do at anything and think that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it sounds like um, what we basically do is we take the bottom five ten percent of uh, empathy in society or concern for other people. And we categorize that as uh, diagnosable. Yeah. And maybe I'm not explaining this well, but it's a long tail. Mm-hmm. So the difference in the amount of empathy felt by those people is drastic compared to the other 95%. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And I agree. Like that- everything's a spectrum, quote unquote, but you could imagine a spectrum that's just a flat box basically where it's like 10% of the population is 10% higher than the next 10% yeah, yeah. which is 10% higher than the next 10 and this is like a very very long tail such that you you know it's one in 30 people but they're not they're not feeling 10% less empathy than the people 
closest to them on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Got it. I yes, I, I I understand. I think one of the I suppose the things that I just react to in the comments is uh, there's a tendency to go that's a sociopath and therefore I am not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which which is not at all what you were suggesting. I I do. I sense that. I see it. There's this, we like to know the labels of bad things mm-hmm. so that we can find other people that are those things, pretend that the world is a binary on-off switch of we, of which we do not have that bad thing. And I and I, uh, I've heard when people use the term psychopath or sociopath, that seems to be the connotation that sometimes comes behind it. Not necessarily that that's what you were doing at all in your, in your breakdown. I think most people who are sociopaths don't even know it. I think mm-hmm. they just live their lives not thinking that they have anything abnormal in their brain and they don't commit crimes. They become business people that break rules that aren't, that don't result in them going to jail, Mm -hmm. but result in fines or whatever it might be. And sometimes become very high powered lawyers or (laughs) business people like they're successful and cutthroat, Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily thought of as non-neurotypical. Yeah, and I think uh, bringing it back to this this casino gambling, I don't think anybody's going to accuse these people of being sociopaths because that's like standard twenty twenty one money driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't think about the consequences, and uh, I think you could make an argument that that behavior belongs uh, farther on the one side of the spectrum because it is so. I don't think it would take a lot of consideration to imagine the harm that you're causing other people. Well, I'll go the other route though. This kind of this is the Jordan Peterson argument. If you were in Nazi Germany, you'd probably be a Nazi. If everyone in their friend group is saying this isn't immoral, I actually think no. I think the normal human thing is to not have a strong internal compass of right and wrong. And so this guy, this guy doing this, to me, just indicate anything except for that he might, I don't even want to say, I don't don't want to bad mouth the guy. A lot of people in Nazi Germany became Nazis. Let's just put it that (laughs) way. And uh, it took a very rare person to hide Jews in the attic and risk your own life because you thought what was happening was wrong. Mm. That was insanely rare. Most people either just put their heads down and tried not to do anything or enlisted and and fought for Nazi Germany. So I think that's normal human psychology is is to allow yourself to do that. There are moral sociopaths. They have to fight that instinct and they learn not to do that. So they go, I don't feel guilty stealing from Charlie, but I know that he wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that I do like Charlie. And I also know that I wouldn't like if he stole from me. So I won't steal from Charlie. So there are sociopaths who go to therapy and they learn that their brain is not operating the way most people's do. And then they learn tricks to be moral and operate in society. Mm-hmm. It's actually some of the people we featured in the video. But it. it's a very like decision tree style look at mm. morality. Got it. With the people close to you even. Mm. Makes sense. So another thing, did you see any of the story about Netflix stuff going on with the trans protests after oh, Dave Chappelle? Oh, you told Chappelle? me about this, Dave Chappelle, they walked, they, yeah, there yeah. There was a walkout. And I also wonder with these things, there's these things that happen in popular news that are all the rage and everybody talks about. I'm like, there's one demonstration at one company and it's a week later. Well, I'm going to mention it. So I apologize for, <laughs> for feeding the, what is well, potentially a non-story. My question is, were they only walking out for in the name of trans people? The, they had demands about... It was, it was, they didn't demand that Dave Chappelle's special be taken down, I think, because they knew that would be a bridge too far. What they instead demanded was that there was uh, increased trans representation and things, that there was reduction of harm type uh, committees and that sort of stuff. So this is the only thing I didn't understand about the walkout. Dave Chappelle takes shots at everyone. Mm -hmm. So do we need more black representation, Christian representation, Jewish representation, gay representation? Like, I I can't think of a group of people he didn't take a shot at. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, this is... uh, Including white people, which I think... No one has ever advocated for more representation <laughs> from. But if you're just going based on the Dave Chappelle special and who he insulted, it was everyone. Yeah, to steel man it when this it would it would be that the shots were not of equal force and uh, that some communities are more vulnerable and that this is harm because people will now 
commit violence against trans people, whereas they won't against Jews or whatever. But Jews and are the most attacked group in the U.S. per capita. Well, so that this this is not going to happen as a result, and also that that's not necessarily their fight. If you want to go protest, probably they would stand next to you if you were like, and we need more was Jews. It o- was it only trans people protesting? No, no. It was uh, allies as well. Yeah, so well, I guess it, well, I'm curious why they decided to only ally it with this one group Cause after this what, a comedy special that attacked everybody. Well, I think because the one group is the one that's has stood i think i think a couple things i think i think that there's uh clearly in terms of size there's a there's a an activist push in that community and around that community that outstrips other communities um so that's you know they they showed up is, is part of the reason uh but yeah my my limited take as i was just doing it is like they have a right to protest go ahead you sure. can walk out uh dave has the right to say whatever the hell he wants about anything, feel however they want. By saying something can commit psychic harm or uh, upset them to such a degree or create a, a more hostile society, you know, towards people that doesn't directly incite harm. I would, I think it is not a nice thing to do. I think, and I don't think that's what Dave did, but let's just assume, uh, take the worst case uh, imaginable of this. I, I don't know. I would, uh, I, I think it's important that people can, uh, hate each other. I think you can protest their right to hate each other. And then I think Netflix ultimately has the decision of whether they want to broadcast it, not broadcast it, promote it, fire well, the people who walked out. So, like, now, so now I'll switch sides because I actually will steel man this. They aren't saying Dave Chappelle shouldn't be able to say that. Mm-hmm. They're not saying he shouldn't be able to say it in front of an audience. They're saying Netflix, They're saying yeah. Netflix shouldn't pick this up. So if somebody wants to get mm-hmm. on a megaphone and record themselves talking about and have all these old school 1800s views of race and who's superior to who and who has smaller brains, even though none of it's true. I don't think anyone's saying that guy shouldn't be able to shout no megaphone. And I don't think anyone's even saying he shouldn't be able to record himself. They're saying Netflix would be uh, wrong to then stream it mm-hmm. for everyone. And yeah, I think I, that's well, a totally fair. Me too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I actually agree with everyone's position and think this is playing out perfectly, which is you don't like it complain about it uh he has the right to say whatever he wants and netflix gets to make a decision because they own the business Mm -hmm. and can do whatever they want uh it's working (laughs) you know what i mean like now i think i do think that from a non-enforceable perspective i would uh argue that uh that there be a that people do not adopt the perception of harm that that language causes harm in the same way that fists or guns cause harm or language or language even directly that is inciting violence i i do object to the philosophical stance that uh that this is akin to an attack like like a physical attack which i think is part of the philosophical undergirding of of this perspective sure. i disagree with it but Part of that is they're they're allowed to have that perspective, sure. <laughs> and they're allowed to to scream about it. Now, one of the things this was just you know a few isolated incidents. The few videos that I saw were like people would be holding signs like "We like Dave," and somebody would grab the sign from him and rip it out. It's like okay, that's that's now assault. You know what I mean? Like, and he doesn't have to go to the police and complain about it. But uh, I guess I'm old school in my perspective of where the law. And, and morality ought to step in in terms of curbing behavior, and I would put you know, physical uh, violations towards the top of the like. Okay, don't do this. We need laws to prevent it, uh, and I would put verbal altercations towards the bottom of that list. But I actually like was going through this whole thing, and I so you know everybody's upset. And I'm like, this is kind of how you want the system to work, which mm-hmm. is like workers can protest, businesses can listen or not listen, comedians are telling jokes. It's like this actually isn't horrible <laughs> that yeah, this yeah. is how it's all gone well i nobody really has a not nobody it is interesting to see that some people think that that walkout is totally fine but then are flabbergasted at a vaccine mandate walkout mm-hmm. and i personally just think whatever your view is on if employees can walk out and protest just pick it there's speech that could be broadcast on netflix that i would be like yo we, we you shouldn't you shouldn't do that uh and it would not be merely offensive, and probably for me, it would be calls to violence or something like that. Um, 
but yeah, people don't, I don't think, recognize that. And they pretend that they are principled thinkers when in reality they play for a team and then jack whatever principle they think backs their team in, in the heat of the moment in conversation. Yeah, it's all, there's a lot of people misquoting HIPAA now because they don't want to get vaccinated. And so mm-hmm. in order to not, not uh, someone will, someone will add, a reporter will say, did you get vaccinated for the NBA? Because the NBA, certain cities are requiring vaccines. And they go, I'm not going to answer that. That's a HIPAA violation. No, you're allowed to. You're allowed to say it. It'd be a HIPAA violation if someone else were to get your records and leak them. Uh, if your doctor were to get interviewed, but anyone can ask you if you have a medical thing, and then you have the right to answer or not. And you yeah. can just say no. I don't want to talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But you just see a lot of people miss because they think it makes their case their stronger case for them. So yeah, it's yeah. like ah, HIPAA, HIPAA. I'm not going to answer that HIPAA. <laughs> That's not what this is. You never heard that word before this week. Come out you? and say like, <laughs> tons of famous people have come out and shared if they're vaccinated or not mm-hmm. it's clearly not a violation of their own hipaa <laughs> yeah protections i wonder if it is the case i'm just thinking because i i think i'm sometimes of this case that people don't know why they think the things that they think like i imagine that if you some people certainly do but why did you get the vaccine why didn't you get the vaccine i i bet you most people would actually struggle to give reasons consistent with previous behavior that oh yeah yeah they'd all give you a reason it. Oh all, yeah, but it would all, be like, well, because I believe that if you can help other people, you have to do it. It's like, have you ever got the flu vaccine? No. Well, <laughs> where was that principle then? Like they would struggle to dive in and be like, oh, it's because of the severity of this one. And I've seen this. I've, I've had that same argument with uh, my parents who has said essentially that, you know, you've got it where's a larger community. It's like, what was your charitable donation last year? And, you know, sorry to pick on them because these are the people that I debate with, uh, they, in my opinion, my parents and, and other people have tried to make a virtue out of, uh, you know, you have to help your community. And while I think that that's a nice principle, I don't think it explains the totality of their behavior. I think what explains the totality of my yeah, parents' if you had behavior. that belief, because also it's like, if you had that belief, you would be doing something prior to doing a lot of other stuff. COVID or prior yeah, yeah. to the vaccine being out. And to me, what, what explains their behavior really well is like, you keep CNN on all the time. <laughs> you know, like that, that takes care of, no, there could be others. You're scared of vaccine mandates. Yeah, Your yeah. community will ostracize oh, no, no, I'm you if saying you don't get the vaccine. To, I'm saying in the, in the case of my parents. Oh, okay. Like, I was Because I think there's a lot of What explains the their behavior? What is consistent with uh, how they have behaved since COVID and before? Is CNN's always on in the background. And that takes care of everything. Oh, that's why you're not really concerned with uh, donating to Charity Water because they're not on CNN. That's why you think the vaccine is really important. And I, people don't. They don't, and uh, many people that I've had this similar conversation, you could switch CNN for Fox, depending on what the belief is. Um, they don't like having pointed out that they don't operate based on the principles that are uh, instructed by their trusted news anchor that they're actually behaving on. Uh, nor do they tend to then donate to charity or pick up the other yeah, yeah. area because... Well, I do think in terms of self-reflection for... Because I think a lot of people watching... Are I probably, love you, mom and dad. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people watching... <laughs> I love are arguing with you about uh, this stuff. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, totally. Other people are like that. I'm not like that. Or whatever yeah. it might be. I think the hardest thing to self-reflect on is finding the areas where you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you don't change your behavior, it can be really powerful to figure out where you're a hypocrite. You but know it's, it's the strongest blind spot in a lot of people. You know, what's interesting is one of the, one of the most uh, viral things about these, these flashpoint, you know, whether it's trans or, or the vaccine stuff is that either someone on social media or your news is going to give you a virtue that you can pretend to have Mm -hmm. by being on the side that you are on based on mere exposure. Mm -hmm. And I think I see people love that. They like grab onto it. Like I do this because I am for X, Y, Z when it's so obvious that if you were to take any sort of like look at their life and be like, is that consistent with the principle that you just claim to have? Mm -hmm. So obviously not. Uh, But people are, don't want to do that look because one, it would expose them to not have the virtue they have. And I think two, show that their behavior really is, and this is kind of the, the sociopath thing, it's just socially conditioned. It's like, what is what am I hearing most repeated? That is what my morality will be and become, and I'll tell everyone else is really virtuous. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the tactical question would be, how does one get out of that mindset? How does one start to form a intrinsic, sense of morality or a set of principles that they judge morality by 
that isn't just influenced by repetition. What does today's society approve of? Like how do you get to the point where you would free your slaves or you would hide the Jews in the attic or you would whatever today's thing is and not be the 95% of people who are going to go along with the other 95% of people? Like how do you build that set of morals and how do you even start to to strengthen your internal integrity like that? Mm-hmm. You've identified a couple points. We talked about how it's dependent on what's going on around you, but there's, yeah, there's this time frame thing, which is like, even if I can imagine this is one of, I, th- I, I suppose what you want to do is extend your time frame, even though it gets hard. But if you're like, oh no, anytime I make my child cry, I'm being a bad parent. So it's like, you just become totally permissive, right? Yeah. But what, if you have a short time frame because you think you're going to die tomorrow because you think, and you might because you don't have enough food or whatever, yeah, that's going to dramatically affect your sense of right and wrong in any given context. And so, like, fuck humanity in a thousand years. Like, send me food or medical supplies or something like that or, or send that to other people. And if that's your background, that's probably where you tilt towards. And again, it comes down to scarcity. The fact that we don't have enough to do <laughs> everything Mm -hmm. you know we don't have enough to like do interstellar space travel and take care of every human and do all of this even in uh and i include in that some people will push back and say no with capitalism if you just took away from the rich the rich people but it's like we don't have enough for everybody to be totally fulfilled with their money and you know not everybody can be rich happy etc so hopefully technology makes that go away and psychedelics make that uh reduced and everybody has Enough always in the near future. Uh, I think sometimes it's it can be confused in the media how much cash someone has versus how much wealth someone oh, yeah. has. That's and ridiculous. so, you know, Elon Musk, for instance, everyone's like, how it's so ridiculous how much wealth Elon has. But he actually, when he was starting Tesla, was on the verge of bankruptcy with Tesla multiple times, putting in his own money to keep it going. And then Tesla was successful and he started SpaceX. And then again, SpaceX was one launch away from failing as he was putting his own money in. Mm. And I think one could look at him and say he's selfishly accumulating wealth, but someone else could look at him and go, he's actually putting a lot of his capital at risk to make these projects go. And the ones he's chosen, Tesla, he thinks global warming could be the end of all humanity. And SpaceX, he thinks that without space travel, it'd be the end of all humanity. And so basically you come to the point where depending on what you, how you view the world, you go, this guy's an evil, psychopathic wealth hoarder, or you go, this guy is regularly putting all of his capital at risk for projects that he picks specifically because they help people. And so I think that's where a lot of this friction or, or disagreement is coming from on a lot of these issues is just people who are looking at an elephant and you know the metaphor touching different, touching parts, different yeah. parts of it. So if mm-hmm. people don't know that story, it's basically a bunch of blind people or three blind monks or whatever the story goes are introduced to an elephant for the first time and they each reach out and touch it and one touches its ear, one touches its trunk, one touches its tail and then they debate what an elephant is and they bicker and and they're all wrong because none of them can see the totality of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens a lot with this with the societal schisms that we have on issues is people aren't actually that different in their values, but what they differ in is how they see the issue. I think that's how you get so many people who are anti-abortion, pro-abortion, anti-guns, pro-guns, anti-vaccine, for vaccines, and each side of each argument thinks that what they're arguing for is saving the most human quality of life years, basically. Yeah, and it also, interestingly, I think that that, you could imagine if you were trying to have those three blind men uh, come to an answer, a conclusion, or not get mad at one another, what would really hinder them is a character limit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would it be like, fleshy! <laughs> Exclamation point at other guy. Uh, and the, the the technology that we've developed to suit the brains that we have is all about short labels that do this. And I think that's one well, of the reasons. That's another Elon thing that might, saw, yeah. honestly, this whole, uh, this whole he might do civil war... Yeah. And this whole China, US, Russia global standoff might be solved by Neuralink. So again, yeah, it's it's is this guy hoarding money or is he saving the world? Imagine that you could just download his or entire both. life experience. Maybe it's both. Yeah. If you could download his life experience and it would it would all of a sudden make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Now now when compared to yours, you might come to a different conclusion. But yeah. 
it seems that one of the understanding takes takes time, <laughs> obviously. And so when I think that's one of the Dave Chappelle things is that he called himself a turf uh, in the context of a joke, but I think he he meant it sin- like sincerely in his understanding of it. And that word to some people is the most horrible, hateful thing ever. And to him, it's not. And it's like, he says he is this thing, which to somebody else means devil. And he well, this means is our big debate. something this entirely is our big debate different. Vosh is, I, and this is why I wish we had thrown the word racist away. We were trying to yeah. decide what's racist. And the reason it mattered is because of the, of everything that of comes with that word. Of the accepted connotation of what it means to be racist. Because, yeah. okay. At the end yeah. of the day, Vosh's definition was like, everyone, black, white, or otherwise, who's Republican. in the U- No, who's in the U.S. Because <laughs> he said himself, he said everyone is racist. It's like, this isn't what people mean when they say fire that racist. Yeah. They don't mean fire that human. They mean fire this person who has damaging, terrible, extreme beliefs of racism. Well, this is the semantic problem, I think, in so many arguments, is we implicitly accept the connotations of the word racist, which is like uh, to be frowned upon, potentially fireable, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, and then have very different definitions of what it is and argue about it without like, and what I tried to do in that conversation is just like, and it doesn't, this doesn't work, by the way, for, for discussions. It's just like, dude, you can have the word. It can mean whatever you want to do. I'm just going to then not attach the connotation to it. No, no, that it doesn't people work. Do, it's a ter- do, terrible, people terrible People do strategy. not like that. Because then it's terrible like, okay, strategy. yeah, like, you're a racist, I'm a racist, everybody's a racist. And, and then, and, but like, that, but that doesn't matter, given your definition. No, no, it's a, that's a very, doesn't in, work at very all. <laughs> ineffective persuasion technique that I would not yes. recommend. People don't follow you to the decoupling when, when they morph the meaning of a word from its uh, common usage, which has with it a prescribed, uh, a prescription, a, a connotation, an outcome. And you, when you get, say, okay, I'll allow you to change the word, but you have to allow me to decouple the prescription. They don't, they don't go there with no, it. No, like, and neither does an audience. Yes. No, no, it, it doesn't work at all. Um, so I want to circle back to long-term focus, sure. if that's cool, because you accidentally brought up something that I wanted to talk about today anyway. We were talking about uh, the key to personal development a while ago, according to Naval Ravikant, is just the ability to zoom out and look long-term. And then very recently, actually, you came to a business conclusion for running our businesses mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was the same. And you, it, you didn't tie it to Naval at all, but you just were talking about, I've been studying Alex Hormozzi and I've been studying all these successful people in business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire is that a billionaire is constantly looking at a longer time frame. And I just think that's interesting. So this, the key to success in business, the key, the key to personal development. So how do you cultivate a long-term focus? Because apparently it's the key to success <laughs> in everything. I think abundance, uh, which is which is simultaneously outside of you. And inside of you so like it's very hard to think long term when you're starving you know Mm -hmm. you're not like should i have this mcdonald's right now is this you know or you know should i smoke the cigarette drink this drink do this drug it's it's a very different thing so you need a degree of comfort and abundance outside of you but i also think internally and one of the things that has happened to me which hasn't i've i've been going back and forth is uh interestingly have we moved into this house my rent has gone up a lot and my sense of financial financial abundance in being here has decreased, which is one of the reasons that I brought that up to you because I was like, I now have this, I, I notice this inner push psychically towards short term. Like, mm. oh, like I need money more and I'm trying to notice that and resist that. Yeah. Well, good news is it looks like you're completely resistant to it. <laughs> Your behavior does not seem like it at all, so. Well, I'm not even, even like... <laughs> 
I think that often where you, you didn't and make I, me come in sick today, so <laughs> did not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, often where your and my business focuses, and it's you know emblematic of where we are. It's like six months a year down the line. Yeah, yeah, we're not ten years out. No, and I think it's just such a useful question to just for me as someone who isn't there. Because you need both. You need to make it to 10 years and then you need something to do in 10 years. Well, I think I know, for me at least, I know why. The 10-year the horizon is so scary because you can work for nine years and not get it. Like the Wrights brothers were the first mm-hmm. people to fly, but they were going against someone else. Mm-hmm. The future for us would be a combination of VR and AI coming together to transform what it means to have interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think about that and I go, man, what if we just invest all our money into it and then don't, come up with a good VR or don't come up with a good AI. It's, it's uh, so much more certain when you're trying to achieve a six-month goal mm-hmm. and it's so much more uncertain when you're trying to achieve a 10-year goal. Or that's how it feels to yeah. me. Well, I would, even, I would even say, and I'm trying to think of the way to frame it, implicit in your understanding of who we are is, a, we, is, is something, which is a, we have to remain charisma on command. We have to solve this particular problem and if uh i think letting go of that with the 10 years like do i want to be doing charisma in 10 years no yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i don't well you feel you feel weird selling the business because your face is all over it well forget selling or whatever but it's just like i'm not concerned with charisma ai unless at some point i become interested in ai as it relates to charisma like 10 years i'm not really sure but i know like take the five year i want to pick something that i'm excited about right now that's D D will it remain D&D? Um, I don't know. But it, it does make you, one of the things that came from that question to myself, which may never happen because I think there's this, has you have to wed the six months, the one year, the two year, and the five year, is maybe I'll be a DM someday. Like if I look at the five year time frame and I like Dungeons and Dragons and I want to make a Dungeons and Dragons show, the most chance that I can make an amazing thing if I am into it is by making the show is by being the dungeon master um brendan lee mulligan yes and it's like if i'm looking six months it's like oh brendan is so much better than me (laughs) if i'm looking i'm just like there's no way we're not even in the same ballpark but i'm like five years and i care maybe i'm really good i don't know so that's that's sort of the the Mm long-term frame is um yeah is asking those sorts of things and then the other questions that it leads is okay we do have this business five to ten years do i want it to disappear no so that means that I should hire somebody, you know what I mean? And does it mean that I should hire the first person to alleviate my pain and like get me out of a system? No, it means I should hire the best person, you know? So it, it does have, uh, it gets your brain thinking in different ways, at least for me, because I'm not, I'm not a five, 10 year person at all. Mm. I'm, I'm like a one, two year. And then a lot of time I'm like, what do I want to do today? I'm very selfish and impulsive sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the personal development side of being long-term is so easy. It comes so naturally to me in terms of charisma, health. It's like, oh yeah, today, whatever, caramel's yummy, but sugar causes cancer, so just give it up. To me, that's a no-brainer. It's very easy Mm -hmm. because I have so much certainty around the success of it. I'm like, if anybody works out enough, eats the right diet, they can get an insanely good healthy body Mm -hmm. and in terms of charisma i just felt similarly i was just a hundred thousand percent convinced that with repetition and effort i could learn this and master it and it would be Mm -hmm. guaranteed and so that stuff is easy for me where some people feel the opposite some people have such a struggle to stick with the personal development because they don't believe it yeah yeah. but they believe in the business side so you see all these obese successful ceos because they felt sticking with their business was the obvious this is going to work thing and they don't have any faith that if they do the sacrifice of giving up the foods, it'll even translate to being healthier. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, one thing that I've noticed is like who you surround yourself with. Certainly, um, we have a friend who is just like Mister. It's going to work out financially. You know, it's just he just believes that. And I like I don't get to see him as much because we're not in the same country because of COVID. But like he's a he's a good influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel I feel I've been in between him and you, you know, oftentimes, and I've been like, it's good for it's good for me to to get pulled in that direction because he's like, oh, dude, it's gonna work. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be fine. You just do whatever you're interested in. You do it long enough. You you stick to your interests and, and things work out. Um, I think that what makes people the way they are is early childhood experiences, and for some reason, I had a pretty good upbringing with regards to I will be okay financially, mm-hmm. and then your current group, like where they pull you. Uh, and what else has made it? 
your your diet. I will say the one thing related to all of this is every single teacher you have comes with an implicit worldview. So I, I like listening to Alex Hormozy because he's long-term focused, but it's all about money. You know what I mean? It really yeah. is like- and When you say diet, you mean mental diet. Mental diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I actually, as much as I enjoy him for business, I need less of him in my life because it is, it's long-term focused on money, mm-hmm. which is- like, even if you're focused long-term on that, it's how to make a lot of money, which is not what I really deeply care about long-term, but I can, I, it can trigger that in me. I think similar to how we're talking about how morality can be crowdsourced, I think priorities get crowdsourced too. Mm-hmm. And so depending on where you live and your social structure and the community you grew up in, it's going to totally dictate how hungry you are for wealth and possessions and how much you actually think Time in the sun is the metric and walks in sunshine with your kids is the ultimate measure of success. And so the more you get to do that, the more you're winning. I don't think anyone wants to not quote unquote win at their metric, but I think different people have just totally different measures of what matters. And I think that gets crowdsourced to a large degree. Totally, totally. And, and what I guess I've, you know, see over and over again is that uh, one of those characters in your crowdsource is your media diet for most mm-hmm. people. If you're if you're on your phone or on your computer at all, and uh, the blogs, videos, podcasts that you listen to come with implicit, non-spoken value systems. Like if you're listening to Tim Ferriss, self-optimization is important. <laughs> it's just it's just in there. Like succeeding at at the game as the rules have been laid out uh, in the most intelligent way possible is is important. People who have achieved what you, what most people would consider enlightenment mm-hmm. are probably the quietest voices because they don't think it's super important how quickly you get there or if you get there at all because mm-hmm. you're on your path. If that makes sense. So if you think everything's perfect, why if you think fitness <laughs> yeah, yeah. matters and you were oh, you were heavy set and now you're jacked yeah. and it's changed your life, that's your religion. You're going to be evangelical. If you grew up poor, you started a business. Now you're successful. You're going to be evangelical about the importance of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to go out and virtually go door to door knocking, saying, hey, you got to do this. You got to get in shape. You got to build wealth. It's the religion you should pursue. And if you're the guy that's achieved what most people consider enlightenment, you're not going to go door to door. And what that means is the people who are, are probably not actually what most people would consider to be enlightened the people who are trying to spread that message but are extremely concerned with subscriber count view count growth over time month to month kpis it's like well it doesn't i don't think you're like really fully living necessarily that feeling i almost and that's just not what enlightened people see or think i almost wonder if it's a good sign that like the book of joy was written by someone else yeah oh totally like they flew (laughs) they flew in to interview the dalai lama yeah and asked him questions and he was like oh yeah you can you can be here and i'll talk to you and then they had to go turn it into a book while he just kept being the dalai lama or being desmond tutu it's generally a good sign that like to go see all these people you have to go to their mountain (laughs) you know what i mean it's it 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 yeah they're not doing they're not doing six-figure tours they're not going corporate corporation to corporation and it's it's not it doesn't mean like i know like Sadhguru is very active and he's got a huge business and that doesn't mean that there's no value there but if the belief is things are okay the way that they are everything is happening perfectly um it tends to correspond to not a ton of activity yeah, I haven't been, but one of the reasons I would go to but it. That's, but, it, but not that it's no activity, because things are perfect even in your activity. It's like even the franticness is perfect from the, to, from the enlightened perspective. Yeah. So I hear. <laughs> I don't know. You want to go, speaking of the, 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 uh, the cheat code to temporary enlightenment, psychedelics? Sure. Johns Hopkins Medicine was awarded a grant from the National Institute of Health. Did you see this? No. So basically, this is the first government, my impression is this is the first government-funded grant awarded in over 50 years to fund psychedelic therapy. And it's specifically with tobacco addiction. But everything else has been donations. It's been a lot of people, especially tech startup people, yeah, who yeah. have done it in their own life. They microdose when they run their businesses. They macrodose to work through a trauma. They go, holy shit, this is amazing. And by the way, I happen to have $10 million to a $1 billion. So they donate. But it's psychedelics have picked up enough momentum that now the government is also funding projects for it, which is pretty huge because it's just another good sign that the stuff's all getting legalized. Yeah, yeah. Psychedelic therapy, 
seems like it's a train that's picking up steam and cannot be stopped and will inevitably be something you can access mm-hmm. over over uh, without breaking the law. Yeah. It's pretty dope. So it's just another big milestone. The government's now involved as well. You don't need Tim Ferriss to be yeah, man. writing seven and eight figure That's checks. That's the five-year plan. And so that was, you know, we talked about the five-year. I don't know if you have more you want to say, but. No, no. It's just, it's great. It's a, it's a very, very good sign that it no longer requires interested multimillionaires and billionaires. Yeah. When I, when I zoomed out and I tried to do my five-year and I tried to chill and I went, you know, forget the money. Like, forget money. What would it be fulfilling and connect you and maybe help it was like that sort of stuff sure and then part of the challenge for me is like okay and what is the proper level of activity within charisma on command today it's not zero but it's like that's i do feel that uh yeah the world is setting us up for uh it's a business layup it's a personal fulfillment layup it's like this stuff is happening well it's not a layup (laughs) it's gonna be the most crowded field there is yeah but again there'll be space for me to tell the people that I care about sure. to, to do no, it no, and, sure. to, and to create it. Sorry, I just don't want to give people the oh, false I'm not impression be that they billionaire. can. I'm not going to be a billionaire. Oh, I just know a lot of people who follow this want to be entrepreneurs and don't know what to do. And I don't want to give the false impression that it's a layup to just wait oh, for psychedelics yeah, yeah, yeah. and then get in the space. Sorry, I mean personally. For, yeah. for my own. For, Thousands for of yeah. businesses will crop up day one. And many will fail. When yeah. that stuff becomes legalized. So I just don't want to give the impression we won't that it's fail. easy. We'll succeed. I, and by succeed, I mean we'll, we'll make enough money to survive and help people, and it's going to be yeah, that, that that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. It seems it sometimes it feels far away, and then that stuff happens. Like, dude, this is right around the corner. Like next five years, I think. Yeah, I'd I'd make that bet. Um, so this isn't related, but I don't know why I thought of it. I was going to tell you and the audience because you kind of know. Uh, just in terms of what's legal, so I know someone won't say more than that who has uh, been in Las Vegas for like basically two months just wasting away drinking gambling and the things that are legal like our government has decided you need to be protected from magic mushrooms because we gotta you, you can't you can't do it but it's like you know what you can be exposed to uh las vegas which is designed to just jack into your limbic brain and some people you know can handle it responsibly i'm not trying to get it shut down but well for me the strongest arguments for legalizing marijuana let's say or psilocybin isn't that these have no risks at all and no one could possibly ever get hurt. It's that these are less dangerous than what we've already as a society said is okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, listen, you can, I guess, keep weed illegal, but it seems weird to sell liquor and cigarettes on every street corner. Mm-hmm. But tell me I can't, I don't even smoke marijuana, but tell me I can't smoke marijuana because it's dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have this conversation over beers while smoking cigarettes. Just makes no sense. Yeah. And so that's, that's where I go. If this is the society we're going to have that sells cigarettes and alcohol, then we should definitely have marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're going to do SSRIs and if we're going to do addictive painkillers, then psilocybin therapy seems like a much more beneficial, less risky uh, comp to that. So yeah, yeah that's kind of where I fall. It's like, yeah, could someone maybe take so many mushrooms that it hurts them or do something bad? I guess, but we as a society definitely don't, only allow substances that have zero downside. Yeah, and so well, given the massive upside and the, in my opinion, smaller downside compared to what's already allowed, that's when it becomes a no-brainer. This takes us back to the question of principles. Like if you're someone who's for the prohibition of these sorts of things because they're illegal, it's like, okay, well then you would seem, understand, like I could find that more compelling if you're also for the banning of alcohol and and probably a whole host of other deadly things. In fact, we could just look at the list of things that kills people and we could find where we could extrapolate where mushrooms or marijuana would be in the harm no, and, think, and say anything above this, yes. we're just going to get rid of. No, and and it's going to be illegal. In my head, I imagine someone drinking a whiskey Coke, smoking a cigarette, who is a senator who was saying, keep marijuana illegal <laughs> while they're drinking a soda, alcohol, and cigarettes. And that's where I go, this is hypocrisy. This is money at work. Well, one of It's not principled. Well, the catching fire argument, which I haven't thought deeply about, is that it's it's on purpose. It actually is following a principle that just not isn't stated, which is we like the drugs that keep people focused uh working Monday. To Friday. I agree with this. I agree with this. Caffeine theory. on Mondays, uh alcohol to de-stress and 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 shut down. Well, let's dive in. We haven't dove into this. We'll do it. We'll do it quick cuz I actually don't I'm not 100% sure on this, but it certainly makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So do you want to dive into it? That's it, is that is that the drugs that we have socially and uh, legally permitted are those that keep you working in uh, 
capitalism of the 1900s, which is you need your amphetamines and your caffeines to get going on Monday and in the mornings, and then you need your alcohol and your cigarettes to de-stress but keep you working. And it has nothing to do with flourishing or happiness or spousal abuse and everything to do with, you know, are you being a productive member of an industrial and then post-industrial society? Yeah, and you saw it. You see it in the seventies when you give people psychedelics. One thing it does is it, we're talking about sociopaths. It expands your empathy. Mm-hmm. It expands your love for other people. It makes you not want to fly to Vietnam and kill people <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't know for a cause that you don't think is. You're not. You don't feel like you're fighting for a moral injustice. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And so a bunch of people take psychedelics and go, I don't want to go to Vietnam and fight your war. Yeah. And the government doesn't like that. And you, then you take a bunch of psychedelics and you go, you know, I really think that time with loved ones is what mm-hmm. matters the most. And working more than I have to, to get food and shelter seems silly when I could instead be bonding with my children or my parents. And mm-hmm. the people in power go this, well, that's not, we need GDP. <laughs> we need well, gross. It's not, it's not just the people in power. It is the, the system the, sure. of which we, we collectively are part of. Yeah. But I think that the presidents and senators involved in making the decision were thinking, oh, that's bad for the country because their view of the country is economic power, military power, mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, individual enlightenment and fulfillment. Yeah, I mean, hippies are, uh, if you're around there back then, they're all these freeloading, sleeping in vans. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this isn't, uh, I understand the reaction from like working class people. And you're like, this is the next generation. You're like, dude, we got to stop whatever they got in their system. And well, <laughs> weirdly enough, if you didn't, if your country hadn't started by picking a bunch of fights and doing a bunch of wars, I mean, we're in a weird spot. If we, once we drop, I think a lot of people are going to come try to beat us up and take our stuff. But having a country that nobody wanted to attack where everybody was sleeping in vans, eating food that they had farmed and being happy doesn't sound so bad to me. Yeah. And, but who knows how long that lasts? Of course. I mean, I, I think I don't want to uh, not give defensiveness and economics. It's due in a dog eat dog world, which is like, you can't, you need a critical mass of people in the country and the world. Well, that's why I think to be it, non-selfishly. Sorry, this is why I think oriented. it works for Costa Rica and yeah. Scandinavian countries is because they, they, are small enough to be left alone and they basically just ally with a big power. No, I think this is why I think it won't work for the U.S. Because if the U.S. did this, we would just have military consequences, I think. It's too, too shiny what we got going on over here. Maybe. And we've been too involved, I think. You, don't, you can't just like beat everybody up with a stick and then be like, I don't want to do this anymore. We're done. We've learned. Isn't that the ultimate? Oh, man, what was the... Oh, there's some movie or TV show where that's basically the punchline is that you can't try to opt out after having lived a violent life because your violent life comes knocking on your door. Oh, I feel like that's so many. Yeah. I don't know which one you're talking about, but I've, I know the trope. Yeah. That's what, that's kind of where the U.S. is. It's mm-hmm. like, even if we realize the error of our ways. Oh, it's the 10 rings. Oh, don't tell me, man. I didn't see it. Oh, my bad. Spoilers. <laughs> I was waiting for Disney Plus in two weeks. So, yeah, the t- not the, not the Shang-Chi <laughs> 10 rings. I was talking about the Lord of the 10 rings. Lord of the 10 rings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway next thing uh what else you got that's it for me let's do questions cool cool first one <laughs> is um i really respect the fact that you're willing to just let anyone on the internet submit questions to your channel through a forum and i understand that youtube can be very frustrating at times especially as an institution and platform that makes a ton of mistakes very publicly however in episode 118 which was the one before uh thomas frank you were talking about youtube's attempt to be more inclusive through this collection of certain demographic data and said that you would bet money that YouTube would only make adjustments in a single direction, i.e. against white, straight males on the platform. Google Alphabet, YouTube's parent company, has actually in the past, 2019 I believe, adjusted in favor of the white, straight male demographic when it found that the white, straight male software engineer cohort was in fact paid less on average than other software engineer cohorts. They do this study internally every year, and they compensate those employees out of pocket to account for the inequality regardless of which demographic. They listen to the actual numbers and leave politics out of it. I understand why there might be a perception otherwise, but I have no experience myself that would lead to believe that they don't follow the data, even when it looks bad publicly. I'm going to qualify this with when they decide that they are going to do something about a particular issue. I'm an Alphabet employee myself, but I'm not making any statements on behalf of the company. These are my own opinions, and I would love to hear what you have to say on the matter as well. And the question I have is, do you have your own experiences or facts to the contrary, specifically specifically when it comes to YouTube? So I, I got two thoughts on this. One is... 
if it's true that they're agnostic to the which group is which, I think that's great. If your principle is going to be we need to have equal outcomes and equity, then being blind to that only being certain groups, that's great if Google does that. The, the other question I would have is are white software engineers paid less because they work less hours? Yeah, I would, I would, presu- I would presume. have lower <laughs> I presume, positions. Yeah. So, so I guess it's if, if that is caused by racism hurting white engineers of similar positions, of similar output, of similar effort, whatever it is, then great, you know, the fact that they're helping. But I have the same reaction to this that I do for most of these things, just like, is that because of the positions they hold, the hours that they work? Is there a meritocracy reason for that discrepancy or not? Maybe there is, but maybe there isn't. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, so well, that's not their question, but I understand. But uh, yeah, no, that's I, my my response to this is like that's better than if you only are going to adjust. Well, you for shouldn't. You groups. shouldn't look at cohorts at all. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, well, you you have to look at the cohorts in the realm of output for the business, yes. basically. So there's <laughs> tiers. It's like only helping certain people because of their demographic information. That's worse in my mind than helping people agnostic to their demographic information and looking instead based on need if you're the government or performance if you're a business. And then my question for this is like, was it good that Google paid those white people? Were those white people paid less for reasons that actually make total sense mm-hmm. from an economic perspective? Well, also I'd be... Um, I'd actually like to look at this because I will admit I am skeptical of that. And this is this is true of, I th- well, we're going to be, all of us, receptive to like study show that confirms my bias. This one disconfirms my bias. So I want to dig more into it, which I think is the natural instinct. Um, I It's tough for me to comment on just from what you said about it. I don't disbelieve you, but I wonder what the surrounding context might be, what, what happened in the company at large, if this was a poster boy thing. And the reason is not, it's not necessarily um, specific to, I'm trying to think, it's specific to Google slash YouTube. It's a little bit. It's uh, part of my impression of uh, Google YouTube is that I have a category in my brain that I would label as like woke behavior, which is even doing the analysis demographically but and al- trying but to. Alphabet is such a giant entity. Oh, it's huge. People it's running huge. the compensation analysis inside of sure. one business arm of alphabet mm-hmm. and the people that run the YouTube algorithm could have completely different exactly. ideologies. Yes. So, and, and so I'm in treating alphabet as a sign as a unity that's I'm crazy, but I, I put them in that camp of, um, woke decision-making because I see that they use the term Latinx in a lot of their communications, which they send to me and I receive, uh, they're doing the demographic analysis on the first place, which seems to, uh, is not how I would try to fairly compensate workers. I would try to make sure that people who did work were paid appropriately for the yeah. work that they did. Here's my thought. If you, if you only look at two data points, us and KSI, and you determine that we're not doing as well because of our skin color, it's like, no, KSI makes better content that more people want to watch. <laughs> so you shouldn't then have the YouTube algorithm pumping us on the homepage to try to even it up. Well, I think this this point was made. This person has a has a different question though. Like I I we're we're totally in alignment here. This this particular question was, um, what do you what do you, what is your experience with Google slash YouTube slash Alphabet oh, that saying, made you, you that, they would? that oh, okay. made you uh, predisposed? I thought they were saying think, given think. that they given that they did help uh, white workers in that in that instance. Are you in favor generally of this sort oh, no, of no. demographic work? To which I no. say, st- I still think. Yeah. Uh, to that question, I agree with you. Um, they're asking, I think it was to me because I said it, it. Why Why do you think that? And so I'm trying to articulate why I think the way that I think. Yes, because I, I broadly put YouTube and Google into a similar bucket, which is the tech bucket, which also has shades of wokeness in there. Um, they're, the communications that I've received from them uh, use the term Latinx. They talk about marginalized creators that they divide up by the, the presupposition. And these are previous communications that I've received for them, like the newsletter things that they pre predetermined were women, LGBTQ, uh, Latinx. Latinx is a dead giveaway for me of someone that I, in my opinion, is, <laughs> is I'd like to talk to someone who uh, could make a compelling case for Latinx. Yeah, we talked about it before, but your brief, your brief version is that's someone who's like making the decision for Latin people that Latino and Latina is sexist, but it's, Latino and Latina 
is inherent to their language and mm-hmm. not. Well, it's, 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 it, I think it uh, indicates someone who doesn't speak Spanish at like at all. Uh, there's, there's, well, yeah, because you wouldn't say that the, a table is feminine and needs to be treated differently because mm-hmm. it's a mesa. Well, they might. This is the thing. Like they, they might. So anyway, I, I've not heard a good argument for, for Latin. I call it Latinx uh, uh, to make fun of it because I think it's stupid. You would call it Latinx if you were at all interested in getting <laughs> the Spanish right. It's just ridiculous. Um, so anyway, I, that, that all is the thing. And I, and I put that woke stuff together into a larger woke category, which isn't fair, but this is, I think, how all of our brains work and how mine, uh, with this particular issue, worked with, which is uh, the categories that we are most, and like in speaking to Vosh, uh, the categories that we're most interested in equalizing for or raising up tend to be non-white, non-male, et cetera. I haven't heard a lot of argumentation um, from society at large that we need more female deaths in war, for instance, or that we need uh, women to die sooner and men to die later, or that, you know, there's, or that we need homosexual men to be paid 10% less so that they're on par with heterosexual men. To be clear, I don't think any of that is true. Um, When Joe Biden, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the larger woke thing, released the White House thing of like, you know, here's how much, you know, white men make a dollar, White women make 91 cents. They neglected to put on the top of that little chart they had was $1, but they neglected Asian men who make a dollar five. They just left it off the chart. And so- I also think Indian Americans would be above Indian, the chart as well. Yeah, so, they, so I, it's not specific necessarily to Google. I'm, there's a larger category of woke that I am making assumptions about them and, and connecting them to. Um, which is why I have that impression. But he'll eat his them. words if YouTube makes a public statement saying that they're going to start giving extra pushes to all the, the white cis men. I'll be super disappointed if they do, honestly. <laughs> you'll also have to eat crow in your prediction. I'll be skeptical that it's not a, uh, a token uh, thing for a much larger agenda of, uh, of everything else. So, But anyways, so, so I hope that... Just make an algorithm that promotes content that people want to watch yes i i agree um that that seems to be the case and don't ask for demographically defining information and don't scan for it you know anymore that that we would want to scan for like oh wow if we found out the blue-eyed people are making 10 percent more than brown-eyed people and we gave brown-eyed people a 10 percent raise i think that would be bad uh we've talked about this this stuff at length and so i know that i'm not closing the loop on every single um expected rebuttal to that because I know what comes after that but rather than argue with uh, a phantom in my head I'll just answer your question there and say that's that's why I think the things that I think cool let's do one more um, so about three years ago I became really interested in a girl I was friends with so I asked her out and we went on one date she ended up rejecting me which hurt at the time but I got over it we've remained friends ever since but I'm unfortunately finding myself having feelings for her again I don't know if I'm deluding myself or not, but sometimes I feel like she feels the same way about me and that neither of us will say anything out of fear of losing the friendship. It's probably a cliche question, but is there a good way to find out how she feels without risking compromising the friendship? I feel like once every three years, you're allowed to take the temperature again. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would hurt so much. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I also, I mean, not being there, I can't tell you if, if I were watching. My, my inclination is that I'm sorry, to, I don't want to salt this, that probably it hasn't changed because that's rare that people go from not interested to interested. In fact, what is like, for better or worse, far more common is in the first 20 seconds they make a decision that remains for a long time. Or if you like, uh, are well, friends, one, disappear, yeah, yeah, come yeah. back. I can think of someone, that, I mean, it was only one year, but this there was someone I was interested in freshman year and then I left, left. for three months, put on 40 pounds, yep. totally different haircut, mm-hmm. came back. And she was interested in being more than friends, but different haircut, baby. Uh, <laughs> so it is possible, I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to rule out that you. But were, it, listen, it, he could have been fourteen, and now he's seventeen. Sure, sure. You might have. You might have. Tr- if if you transformed over that period, more likely. Um, so, but yeah, two two things is I think you're totally fine to. I'm probably uh, biased by my my own experience of being a late bloomer, but. You're not being, I think, overly persistent by checking in every three years. It's, it's okay for you to check in, yeah, and be like, "Hey, just don't have any expectations." And know that know that we discussed this in the past, that. but uh, it's getting some different vibes lately. What's your sense of this? And she goes, "No," I'd be like, 
I have bad radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just take, it, just take it on the chin and laugh and don't nice. let it hurt the friendship. I have terrible radar. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice. Cool. Is that it? Yep. Let's uh, hit the Patreon. Right, we're going to hop over to patrons. If you guys want to check out the Patreon, we are discussing Justin. We're going to talk about being more vulnerable in conversations, getting out of your own head, and then attraction standards in dating. Amongst... 20 other things because there's a lot of questions so if you guys want to check that out any amount will get you access to the second thing hope that you guys join it helps us keep the podcast going keeps money in justin's pocket food in his belly heat in his house (laughs) all those sorts of things so hope to see you guys there cheers When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.